this time period in my life with Ryland was so abnormal and out of whack of like how I normally am that it's crazy to me to even think about some of the things that I was doing or some of the things that I was thinking because it was so it was so like just weird for me. You're listening to the Mommy Labor Nurse Podcast, where you'll gain the knowledge and confidence you need to erase the unknowns of pregnancy and birth and rock the newborn days like a boss. My name is Liesl Teen. I'm a fellow mom, labor and delivery nurse, and your host. Each week on this podcast, you'll hear a mix of birth stories, expert interviews, and other fun pregnancy and birth-related content. As a reminder, anything you hear on this podcast is not medical advice. Please see mommylabornurse.com slash disclaimer for more details. And now let's get into this week's episode. Hey guys, happy Monday. So this week I have a cool episode. So if you guys have been following me on Instagram, I guess for a year now, it's been a year since my little baby was born, my little sweet, my little sweet one-year-old Ryland. Um, so I put on an episode, uh, it was about six weeks postpartum and just did kind of a postpartum update with him. And I mentioned in that episode that I wanted to do like a yearly update, you know, when he's, when he's a year just to see how the past year, you know, has went. So that's what this episode is all about. So I had Tiffany come back on. If you guys have been listening to the podcast for a little a little while, you know who Tiffany is. She comes on every once in a while and is a co-host of mine and asks me questions or we do, you know, joint uh, joint episodes together. So she came on and she asked me some questions. We had a really really great conversation. Just she shared some stuff about her postpartum journey and, you know, I was obviously talked about mine. Um but we talked about lots of different things. I talked about birth control. I talked about, um, you know, my breastfeeding journey with him and starting formula. I talked about Ryland's allergies that he has and, you know, how that all, uh, played into my breastfeeding journey. I talked about switching to cow's milk, which I just did. I talked about starting solids and sleep training him and my postpartum anxiety more. There was just a lot in this episode. So I know this episode is a little bit longer than our normal mommy labor nurse episodes. Um, but yeah, it's basically me recounting my whole past year of life because because a lot of stuff happened. <laughs> so let's get right into this week's episode. Are you in search of the perfect pump for the breastfeeding days? The Motif Medical Luna is a powerful breast pump built for modern motherhood and covered by insurance. Now battery powered to give you more freedom and flexibility. Luna's rechargeable battery lasts over two hours. It's also got a super simple setup and easy customization option so you can quickly find out what works best for you and your baby. The Luna features a backlit LCD screen, built-in nightlight, closed system, quiet motor, and auto shutoff. It's also super lightweight, weighing in at just two pounds. But beyond the features and ease of use, the Luna works. In a third-party study, five out of six moms reported more milk and less time with Luna. One major reason why 90% survey preferred the Luna over their current pump. As a pumping mom, I personally used and loved my Luna pump. The massage and expression mode provides full control and maximum comfort. These modes stimulate letdown by mimicking your baby's natural nursing pattern and expresses milk from the breast with high efficiency. 
Sophisticated, strong, soothing, and covered by insurance. Get ready to make your pumping days easier with the Luna. To learn more about the Luna and order one for your breastfeeding and pumping journey, head on over to motifmedical.com. And now let's get into this week's episode. Hi, Tiffany. Welcome to the Mommy Labor Nurse Podcast. Thanks so much for being here today. We have a cool episode, unique episode today. So for those who uh, didn't listen to one that you've been on before, how many episodes have you been on with me? Like four-ish? Yeah, I think four or five. (laughs) Can you just introduce yourself and tell everybody who you are? Yep. So if you've not heard uh, me on one of the previous podcasts, my name's Tiffany. I am a very good friend of Liesl's, but also an employee of Mommy Labor Nurse um, and a labor and delivery nurse myself. Cool. Yeah. I'm trying to think. So you did two parts of your birth story. If you just go back and search Tiffany um, on mommylabornurse.com, you'll probably get a whole you know, sling of the episodes that she's been on. But I did my birth story with Ryland. You were on that one. The postpartum one, was that two episodes? I think, feel like that was just yeah. one episode. Right? One of them was two episodes. I can't remember which of those was. But. Maybe it was, maybe it was two. I don't remember. Um, so, so I guess that's three. And then you, both of your birth stories and then the labor and delivery one that we did. So I guess oh, it's yep. six. Oh yeah. That's more than I remember. I know. <laughs> Um, so you're basically like my, my fill in co-host now. So starting to feel like people are starting to get to know you, but all right. So guys, I feel like, um, we talked about this maybe in the postpartum episode that we did almost a year ago. When did, when did I record that a month out, six weeks out? It was right after your six week appointment. I was going to say it was right after my six week appointment. So it's been almost a year since I've recorded that episode. And we said in that episode that we should do like a one year kind of update, postpartum update, breastfeeding update, just yearly life update. So that is what we are going to work what we're going to do today. Um, I'm just going to kind of get candid with you guys and talk about the last year of my life with Ryland and Walter and Brian and me and just everything. So um, Tiffany's just kind of going to serve as my my interviewer. Um, so Tiffany, you want to start us off and I can just start talking about everything. Yep. So we've just got a bunch of questions we're going to go through um, and I'm going to try and structure it to start from where we left off at the six week postpartum visit and carry it all the way through um, one year. So let's first talk about um, birth control. I think we maybe talked about this um, during the six week postpartum visit and I don't think you were getting on anything at that point, but has anything changed in that time? Yeah. So yeah, I believe at that point I still wasn't, didn't really want to get anything, get on anything, um, in terms of like long-term birth control. I knew I never, I didn't want to do anything like permanent at that point, but our plans right now, like we're not planning on having another baby anytime soon. So I, I knew that at, at six weeks, I kind of knew that at six weeks. Um, but I knew that at six weeks, but I just, you know, wasn't even ready at that point to do like an IED or anything. So we just, we just kind of, you know, held off on, on doing everything and did natural family planning and condoms, you know, until I felt like, okay, maybe I want to get an IUD or, you know, do something else. So 
Um, the things that have changed are I did use that Ava bracelet for a little while. Um, when we were just kind of doing natural family planning. So I was wearing that and just trying to kind of, you know, tracking my cycles, but really the main thing that has changed is I got an IUD placed about mm, three, almost three months ago. Um, and I don't even think I really shared it on my story, but I got an IUD placed and it was a really easy procedure. Uh, I was really like, not really nervous about it, but just, you know, nervous, like in anticipation of what the procedure is going to be like, because I've heard, you know, it can be painful and blah, 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 blah. So got it placed. It was like a little bit of cramping and it's been great. I mean, really Tiffany knows this, but really the main thing that I've been complaining about is I've had quite amount, quite a good amount of bleeding from it. Um, but I know that that can be within a realm of normal, you know, for a certain point. So at this point, you know, kind of just plan on having it there as long as my bleeding gets under control. Um, the first, the first month I bled, like when I was due for my period, I bled for almost a whole month, just kind of on and off, not a heavy, heavy period every day, but something that I had to wear a tampon or have a pad on, you know, all day. And so that was not fun the first month. And then the second month, it was about two or two and a half weeks of same kind of bleeding where it wasn't like heavy, heavy clots, but I still had to wear something. So now, you know, coming up on the third month, I'm due for my period in about a week. So we'll see what this period it's like. Hopefully it's going to, you know, I'm hoping like, okay, the first one was the worst one. And then, okay, it's like two and a half you know, weeks of bleeding. And then maybe this next one is going to be like semi-normal period. And then maybe it'll start to get lighter and lighter, but overall, I mean, I've been happy with it. I haven't had any other symptoms other than the, you know, abnormal bleeding, which can be normal. I know sometimes people get headaches with it or get nausea or, you know, get other kinds of symptoms. And I can't feel it at all during sex. Like my husband's never complained about it or anything. So that's, my plan at this point. Um, and I had really, really heavy periods before I got it placed. Um, not long, you know, like, like afterwards, like not the, the extended amount of pleading that I've had, but I've had like really heavy clotting and heavy bleeding. And so I know that that is a symptom that is a side effect of the IED twos that I can help with that. So I'm hoping that the bleeding not only slows down, but it continues to be lighter. So, yeah. So, yeah. so I think we should debunk some IUD myths yeah. real quick because we Let's were talking it. to my sister, who's actually a good friend of Liesl's also a, a week or so ago about IUDs and how we're all three of us have one. And we were like, what the heck? We were, <laughs> we had no idea going into it. We thought things were going to be so, so different. Yeah. I was always under the impression that if you got an IUD, then like the majority of people don't have a period ever. Mm-hmm. And I was surprised when I found out that that wasn't the case that like actually more people do have a period. So that's one myth I would say of an IUD. I know when I got mine, the process was pretty easy. I got mine at six weeks postpartum. The process was super, super easy. Nobody told me to take ibuprofen beforehand. So that's another one too. Um, My provider didn't tell me that. So when I got there, she was like, oh, did you take your ibuprofen? And I was like, okay, nobody (laughs) told me that. Um, So that's another thing that there is like, you can take some ibuprofen beforehand, which helps with the cramping before you get it placed. Um, And then I think the other big thing is that 
I learned after I got it that it generally does take three to four months for your body to regulate itself hormone wise after you get it placed. So I was told to like, not really put any emphasis really into like your bleeding for those first three or four months. Like it's going to be inconsistent. It's going to be random. Um, it doesn't dictate what's going, what things are going to be like in a year from now. It's just, it's three months that it takes. And it's then annoying, they told me, but, yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's annoying. But, but they said that if you're getting to six months and like, you're still bleeding on and off and it's not consistent, that's the kind of time that you would want to follow up with them and, and decide what exactly you want to do. For me, it was great. Like I got it placed. I had a period a week or two later, and then it got pretty consistent at that point, but I still do get periods. They're way, way lighter than they were, but it's still like four or five days of light bleeding. Like I don't need to, I can use a light tampon and that's like totally fine for all five days there. I don't need anything more than that. Um, but Yeah. IUDs are really, really great options for birth control if you're looking for something. Um, but people do have different responses to it. Some people are totally fine with it and other people get symptomatic from it and like never goes away and they end up having to get it taken out. Yeah. Like we have a friend who that she had that experience where she had one and it, she was having, you know, bleeding for a really, really long time. And there are different kinds, not only like the copper IUD and then the hormonal IUDs, but there's a couple of different brands of like the hormonal IUDs too. So just know that there, that you do have options, you know, if it's something that you, that you want, if you, if you want a long-term option like that. Yep. Okay. Now that we've wrapped up the birth control plans, (laughs) let's go into, um, breastfeeding. So I want you to talk about kind of just the first six months, maybe of breastfeeding. I know that Ryland, um, you guys discovered he had some allergies. So maybe talk about yeah. that first and okay. how kind of all that went down. Yeah. So Ryland, I've shared a bit about his allergies on my story, some, but not a whole lot. Um, so when he was little and when I was still exclusively breastfeeding him, he like almost always had this weird face rash and he would sometimes get rashes on his body. And I was convinced that it maybe was like a dairy thing. So I cut out dairy for a little bit and that didn't, you know, really seem to help. Um, and then what ended up happening was I went to the allergist with him when he was about four, five months old, I think. Um, cause it was right around the time that I started doing formula with him, but I wasn't, but I hadn't like actually started yet. So he was about five months old and I took him to the allergist and I just, my personal history, I had a ton of allergies when I was a child and I still am allergic to a Like I'm allergic to pecans and walnuts, not anaphylaxis, but they make my mouth kind of itch, but those are the only foods, foods that I still have allergies to. But I had a peanut allergy when I was a child, um, grew into it when I was, 15 or 16 and then grew out of it when I was like 22 or 23. So really weird, like weird history. I could eat peanut butter and, and peanuts before that time when I was, when I was a, like a little child, but when I was like a teenager, I had this weird reaction. Um, when I, I was like at this Chinese place and it had, I was eating something and it had like, like peanuts in it. And I had a like anaphylaxis reaction 
And I went to the allergist. They tested me, you know, definitely was peanuts. And I had a couple instances after that where I'd eaten peanuts and uh, reacted. So then eventually grew out of it. When I was like 22 or 23, I got retested and he was like, you're fine and have been able to eat peanuts since like allergies are weird like that, where sometimes you can grow in and out of them. So anyways, I knew I had that history. So when Walter was born, when he was little, I talked to my pediatrician and I said, Hey, I have this weird history of having a peanut allergy. Um, you know, he doesn't have eczema or he doesn't have any like other high risk symptoms of having a peanut allergy, but like, should I go to the allergist and get him tested for peanuts before I introduce peanuts to him? Because I know that peanuts are, you know, it's that food that they say now to introduce at an earlier age. So I, my pediatrician said, yeah, go ahead and test him. So I tested Walter he was negative. He's never had any sort of food allergies. So what you do with one kid, you have to do with the second one. <laughs> so I took Rylan to the allergist at about five months old. And I did that same, you know, it's just like a little skin test and his came back positive. And so the allergist was like, oh, wow. Interesting. Um, so he was positive, you know, to having like an aller an allergy to peanuts. And so he said, well, you can, we can try and do an oral test with him um, to, you know, cause I guess, when they're that little, they, you still can do an oral test with them and see if they, cause I guess the skin test is one thing. Um, but then the oral test, I don't know, for some reason, sometimes the skin test comes back negative. So he was like, I think it's worth, you know, doing an oral test with him. So anyways, still had this weird rash on his face, um, when he was younger, when I was still breastfeeding him. So the allergist said at that point, since they had just tested him for peanuts, that, well, do you eat a lot of peanuts? Like maybe it could be you're breastfeeding him and you're eating peanuts and he's, you know, reacting that way. And I said, I mean, kind of, but like not every day. So it's just kind of weird. So flash forward to maybe mm, a month or so later when I'm starting solids with him and I give him some, it was French toast like that I had made and, or my dad actually made it cause we were at my parents' house. And it was French toast. It had like, you know, eggs, it, it, they were cooked eggs, but it was like very eggy kind of French toast. So gave it to him and he broke out like full on rashes, like not, not, didn't have any trouble breathing, breathing, but like his whole mouth was full of, you know, red splotches and his little body was all red. So I gave him, you know, I called the pediatrician and gave him Benadryl. And so I took him back at that point to the allergist and he still had this kind of red rash face thing too, um, that, you know, wasn't still wasn't really going away. And I was still breastfeeding him at this point. So he tested him for eggs and he said, yeah, he had the reaction with you. He has this skin test. He definitely has an egg allergy. Um, and so then at about, I don't know when I completely stopped breastfeeding him, he was probably like eight ish months old. Um, and I noticed through that time period, like his, the rash, the rashes kind of thing started to go away. And I'm like, Oh, I wonder if it, cause I eat a fair amount of eggs and I eat a fair amount of stuff, you know, just with eggs. So I'm like, Oh, I bet it was eggs this whole time that he was getting, you know, and now he's getting formula. The formula doesn't have any, you know, any, any eggs in it. Um, so yeah. So I guess that now transitions to like, to the whole breastfeeding thing. Um, but yeah, that, that was his allergies, the allergies. He's also allergic to kiwi. We had a 
kiwi episode a couple months ago, he was eating kiwi and he had the same sort of reaction. So he's just one of those kids that just has some food allergies. And I think he, now he's has, you know, seasonal allergies. So I just kind of have to have to watch him, but, um, yeah. Do you want me to start talking about like my breastfeeding stuff now, since I talked for 10 minutes about his allergies? So I'm curious. I know when you first started supplementing with formula, he was how old, like yeah, four he was or five months, right? Five, five months. Yeah. So, but you switched formulas, didn't you? I did. Yeah. Cause I, so still, what was the reasoning point, for that? I still at this point thought that he was maybe like a milk kind of allergy. Mm, so okay. I started, so I started giving him, it was called Bobby and I still, you know, really liked that formula. The only thing, um, the only thing that made me switch was like, they didn't have an eight, there's something called a two formula. Um, and it's just like a less, um, at the milk, see the formula mom, she could like explain it better than I can, but I think the proteins are just broken down in a different way. So they didn't have an A2 formula. So I was like, try, you know, I'm thinking that he has a milk allergy. So I'm like, okay, let me try an A2 formula. But the Bobby, the Bobby was an organic, um, milk-based, you know, formula. And so I switched to an A2, it's just like Gerber, good start A2 formula. And he did okay with that, but also I was starting to give him more formula at this point than breastfeeding him. So I kind of think it was just more of that instead of like him being on, you know, a a milk-based one and they're both milk-based, but like a a fully milk-based one instead of like the A2 formula. So that's kind of the reason that I switched that I thought that he had this like weird milk thing. And then he was doing so well with the A2 formula that I was just like, you know what? He's doing fine with this. I'm not going to go back to the Bobby. Um, I think the Bobby is a great brand for anybody looking for like an FDA approved uh, organic formula that's made. Cause a lot of them, a lot of the organic formulas um, aren't made like you have to get them there. It's like a European based formula. So it's a great, it's a great formula without palm oil and you know, he did great with it, but I just switched because of that. And then I was using that you know, it's like the Gerber good start, um, yellow, you know, can, it, you know, you can buy it in the store. So I was like, I'm just gonna, you know, stick with this. This has been working, you know, well thus far. So, so why don't you talk about your decision to start supplementing with formula at five months, um, and then kind of carrying into your breastfeeding journey ending with him. Maybe you could just pull all that yeah. together. Yeah. So, at about five months. And I know I had a conversation with you at about that time. Um, cause I was just, honestly, I was just kind of feeling like I was, you know, fighting him a whole lot. He, I talked about this in my story not too long ago, but he, st- when he was about three months old, um, he started just getting so distracted at three months, <laughs> like it just, you know, fighting me. I remember so many nights trying to nurse him before bed and he just was, he just didn't like, he just didn't want to nurse. I don't know. He was just not the kind of baby, not like my first one that was really, really into the boob. Like he was in a way that's good that it's like, he was just all business. Like when he was nursing, it wasn't, 
like very much a comfort thing for him. Um, sometimes it was, but it it was just, it was stressful. So I'm feeling like, okay, you know, it's starting to be, this is starting to be a little bit more stressful than fun. And I'm not, I'm not getting that, that sad, like it's hard to compare because I had struggles with Walter too, but they were just different sort of struggles. Um, so really the main thing that, that made me, um, start supplementing is I was yearning for that, like stress free, stress free experience that I had with Walter after he turned a year. And I was just, you know, nursing him a few times a day, he was eating. I wasn't concerned about my milk supply. I was like yearning for that, but it's like, it wasn't the same issue that I was like having with Rylan. Like I was stressed out, not because of my milk supply, but I was like stressed out because I was fighting him and he was distracted and I just wasn't enjoying it. And I started pumping more too at that point because I was like, he, you know, since he's distracted, it's a little bit easier to give him a bottle because I can just, you know, give him a bottle and not like sit there and have to nurse him. Um, so started pumping more and I don't know if it's because I did so many darn pump reviews in the beginning. And I just was kind of like over pumping at this point, but when you know what bre- it's like, when you know what breastfeeding a baby is like, and you have that, like, I had that experience with Walter and I enjoyed breastfeeding him and I enjoyed breastfeeding Rylan. Let's be clear. I enjoyed breastfeeding my time, you know, my time breastfeeding with him in the beginning when he was not distracted and it was very easy. It was great in the beginning. So it's like when you have that and then you go to where you're trying to just pump for your baby, it's, it's not the same. And I just was really over pumping and I was like trying to find this solution. And I'm like, you know what? I feel like I just feel like I just need to give him, you know, just, just one bottle a day. Let's just like start with that and see if that reduces my stress a little bit. And really it did. Um, it, it really, it was not, I didn't have any guilt over it. I, I, I would like struggled with the fact of like, why am I not having guilt, you know, which is like weird, but I didn't have any guilt uh, like I did with Walter, seeing it as the enemy. I I saw it as like my friend, like my helper, <laughs> like you're helping Liesl out because I don't have to put a pump on. I can just like sit here and make this bottle of formula. Um, and so, yeah, that's kind of why I started. And through that time, I, you know, I think I started with maybe one bottle a day and then it just kind of transitioned into, you know, my milk obviously decreased because I wasn't you know, feeding him as much. And I was okay with that because I knew that was going to happen. Um, so it got to the point where I was like, okay, I'm just not going to pump anymore. So I'm just going to stop pumping. So I'm just going to nurse him when it's not stressful for me. So that means like in the middle of the night, he's not, you know, not fighting me at all. Um, in the morning, he didn't fight me very much, but I'm only going to give him these, these form, these bottles of formula when like I need to, And I'll nurse him, you know, when I feel like I want to nurse him. So we did that for a while and that actually worked, you know, fairly well. And then it still got to the point where I'm like working, you know, full days and 
I'm away from him and I feel like I have to pump because I'm uncomfortable, but I'm like, I don't want to, I don't want to pump. Like, I just, I don't want to do this. Like, it just does not, it's not like, ugh, you know? So yeah, it just kind of got to a point where he was about, like I said, he was about eight months old and I can't, I can kind of remember the last time I think it was, I think I remember the last time that I fed him. And I remember thinking like, this is probably the last time I'm going to feed him and I'm not, but you know, breastfeed him. Um, and I'm not, I'm not super sad about it. I'm not like nostalgic, like, Oh, like, you know, like I was with Walter. Um, and yeah, it just kind of was like, Hey, you know what? I realized that I wanted this stress-free experience of feeding my child. And the way that I was able to achieve that was form was fully formula feeding. Um, and I, I sort of kind of realized that once I started giving him more and more formula and I started to be happier and happier, and I know we'll get into the postpartum anxiety thing too, because like that was happening all at the same time. (laughs) So that somewhat had, you know, had a lot to do with my happiness too, and my stress level. Um, but yeah, I, I, I watched some of my friends like you, you know, we're still, I think feeding, I think Callan, yeah. Cause Callan's only a few months older than, um, Rylan. So you were still, you know, just formula feeding him. And so I'm like that, you know what, I'm like searching for this perfect solution of do I formula feed and just pump one time a day or do I, you know, for, formula feed and just like, and I, and I couldn't figure out the happiest way for me to do all of it together. And I realized that what I was like trying to get was, I kind of just want to stop breastfeeding and I kind of just want to fully formula feed like that. That sounds really great. So yeah, it just kind of, it just kind of happened. And like I said, it was, it was a guilt-free experience and like no regrets. I, I, I mean, it, it was great. With my first baby, things were hard in the newborn days. I seriously struggled and underestimated just how much went into caring for a baby in the very first three months. Honestly, why didn't anyone tell me to learn how to take care of my baby while I was pregnant? With our online class, Newborn Basics 101, you'll have the foundational knowledge you need to hit the ground running as a new parent and have an easier transition into motherhood. Head over to mommylabornurse.com slash newborn basics to learn more. Yeah, I think it's important to recognize that, you know, we tell this to our moms at the hospital and whatnot, that they're, you know, the mom and baby, it's different every single time. And you know, you go into your first baby with certain expectations and then reality hits and sometimes it's easy and sometimes it's not when it comes to breastfeeding. But I think a lot of women go into a second time breastfeeding, probably understanding that things are going to be different, but you need to go into it with realistic expectations that it's not going to be exactly the same. Yeah. And even though your body is kind of the same, like nothing's probably dramatically changed with your breasts or your nipples, your baby is so, so different. And it's this dyad that is, it's just different with another one. So I think it's important for moms to recognize that and to try to not set the expectations too high, especially if you had a really successful, um, breastfeeding journey with your first baby. And I think you went into it with pretty clear expectations. I know for sure that you wanted like 
you wanted your supply to be really great because that was the big, big issue with Walter. And you did a lot of things during pregnancy. And then within the first, you know, couple of weeks and months afterwards, like just allowing him to cluster feed and feeding on demand. And you were eating your lactation cookies and brownies and all that kind of stuff. And then what happened, your supply was really great and it was totally fine. And it's, it's so interesting for me because that was like the one thing that you wanted so badly with Walter and you would have given anything to have that be better. And, and with Walter, you were totally fine nursing him for forever, you know, like you were totally content with it and how things change. And here, Ryland, you had this great supply. It's like what you always wanted. And then what happened? you didn't really want to do it anymore. And, and yeah, it's so interesting. And obviously your life is, was completely different having Walter one baby, you know, working at the hospital, you're kind of, you know, not even into mommy labor nurse stuff yet at that point to come to Ryland where you're still working at the hospital, you have a, you know, three and a half year old, you have the successful business, you know, things are just so different. Um, but yeah, I think it's it's important to recognize how it's going to be different and be okay over it. Like the fact that you didn't have any guilt when you gave him his first bottle of formula is so fantastic. And like that is where the world needs to go. And that's the direction that things need to head into, that there's never any guilt over one option over the other. You just yeah. go with the flow and take things how it is. And yeah, you know, it's fine. That- And realize that, that things are going to change. You know, I think that's what I realized and I'm glad that I realized that things were changing and I wasn't, I wasn't letting, you know, letting myself feel guilty about that. Um, because really, yeah, when I started, when I had Ryland, my expectation for my breastfeeding experience was going to be that, you know, I would just do breast milk. I didn't want to supplement with any formula, not because I saw it as the enemy, but I just, you know, I, I supplemented with Walter. So I'm like, I'm going to try and have a great milk supply because I didn't have a great milk supply with Walter. So that was my expectation that I'm thinking like, okay, if I have a great milk supply, that is what's going to make me happy. But then I'm realizing as I'm going along and I'm feeding this different baby that I'm having these different issues and oh, wow, I'm not actually happy and my expectations are changing and my goals are changing. Um, I mean, I think that, I th- and I think that's what a lot of moms struggle with is that like your expectation goes one way <laughs> and then like things kind of go a different way and you have all these feelings that kind of merge together, right? Um, so yeah. I think you said it great that like, if you can, if you can, I don't even know how you said it, but you said it perfectly, how you can like your expectations can go one way. And I mean, things are just going to change, right? Like, like, yeah. Said, and I think it's important that you recognize the change in your baby. You know, this wasn't yeah. about you. I don't think that you made this decision because of you. Like you also made it because of him and that's important and to I made recognize. It because, and I made it because of Walter too. I mean, there were a mm-hmm. lot of times that I did not. I did not enjoy, I did not enjoy feeding Ryland because I was, because my baby was distracted and in order to feed him and him have a successful feed, I would have to go into his room in a dark room and be by myself with him, which is fine sometimes, you know, but a lot of the times I want to be around my other child. I don't want to just, you know, close my other child off and, and go into a dark. I just, 
I, I didn't want to do that. I wanted, I pictured myself, you know, feeding a baby that would always latch and I'm sitting on the couch, like, you know, talking to my other child or playing with my other child or we're, you know, all in the same space. And so then it turned into where Rylan was getting really distracted and that just wasn't happening because I couldn't, I mean, I could not feed if Walter was in the same room, Rylan would not like, I don't care how hungry he was. He would not latch. like the child did not want to have anything to do with nursing and like looking at me and facing my body. If his brother was in the room because he wanted to watch his brother. I mean, that's just how he was. Um, so yeah, it got to a point where I felt like, well, geez, like I'm having to go into this dark room. Yeah. Sometimes my husband's around and he can watch Walter and like, they can hang out while I'm doing this. But a lot of the times I'm just by myself during the day, you know, and I'm having to put Walter in front of the TV, which that's fine, whatever. But a lot of times he's three and a half or he was four, you know, almost four at this point. And then it turned into, he's coming into the room and disrupting, you know, our feeding. And then Rylan's getting all distracted and I would get all angry at Walter. And then I would feel guilty. I would feel guilty about that, you know? So yeah, I did it for, I did it for me. I did it for Rylan. You know, I did it I did it for Walter. I even did it for Brian to like help, you know, have him more involved in the process too. Um, so yeah, definitely very, 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 very happy with my decision to, to start, to start formula feeding. It's funny too, Tiffany, I don't think I even told you this, but like the other day, so he's on whole milk now, um, and transition to whole milk has been fine. Um, but he's been drinking whole milk and, I threw away like that last can of formula and I actually had a little bit of like, Oh, like, like, Oh, wow. You know, like, cause this is my friend, like this is, this helped me, you know what I mean? This guy helped me like when I was down, you know, so I'm like, feel that way at all. (laughs) I I know you did it. You're like, (laughs) no, I really like, I got really emotional about like throwing that can of formula away because like this guy helped me out when I was, when I was down and yeah. That's I mean, so funny. It, it's not like it was a whole can. I actually like sent a, th- a few whole cans to one of my followers who was formula feeding. Okay. Yeah. I said that not like I, was, I gave away some of, yeah, I gave away those, too. but like the one that was open, that still had a little bit in, I had to just, you know, kind of throw away. Um, so yeah, I threw it away and I, cause I, I never had that experience with Walter too, because like I was still breastfeeding him past a year. So it was never that like, okay, we're throwing away. Yeah. I mean, I don't even remember throwing away his formula can, but yeah, it was, do you think though that, do you think it was that, or maybe a combination too, of like, you guys aren't going to have any other kids and like this, like there is this finality to like bottles and formula that is very infant, you know, baby related. So I feel like that probably that, that also very much so. And, And yeah, just like a mark of this is the first year. And now, you know, this is just another sign that my baby's growing up and yeah, we're not thinking we're going to have another baby. So yeah, probably all of that intertwined, um, subconsciously, but I do remember very vividly thinking and having feelings over like, man, I'm, I'm sad to see you go because you helped me out so much, (laughs) you know? Yeah. That's so funny. 
And like I said, so different than my you know, yeah. experience with it, where I could not wait to get that stuff out of my house. <laughs> I was so excited to tra- transition to milk and, and like, you just have to look at the cow's milk as your friend now. Like it's oh, just, yeah. the cow's oh, milk yeah, is a replacement friends. for formula. And now you <laughs> yeah. can just be friends with milk. So why don't you talk about that transition um, oh, yeah. to cow's milk and kind of how that looked for Rylan? You know what? It, this is going to be about a one minute spiel because it was yeah. so darn easy. I mean, it was so darn easy. I, I think I did half and half with him. I, no, you know what? I started with like, cause I thought he was going to have a little trouble, you know, cause like the kid is a little bit more picky than Walter was just in terms of eating and everything. So I thought he was going to have a little bit of trouble with it. So I think the first few days, first couple of days, I just did, um, he has those little, he has like little straw cups, little munchkin straw cups. And so I, started just putting formula, you know, in those just to get him used to a cup. And he did fine with that, like took to that, like no problem. So then I started doing a little bit of milk in there and like mostly formula for a day or so. And then I did half and half for a few days. And then I just, I just put whole milk in it one day and he didn't bat an eye. He just took it. And it was like, okay, no big deal. Like I thought this was going to be this dramatic, you know, like, bleh kind of thing. Yeah. I think all kids are different with this. I mean, I've heard such a wide range of stories with this. My kids always did fine with it too. It was like so, so easy. Just like Rylan. Um, but yeah, there's a couple different ways you can introduce cow's milk. I think most people probably, so first off, you're supposed to introduce cow's milk at a year. Um, I know I, I started it like a week or two beforehand because I wanted to slowly, um, get them used to it. And I would just do like, replacement of two or four ounces of milk every day, um, instead of formula. So I was like slowly bumping up the amount of milk that was in there. And like, my kids are not picky. So they probably would have been fine if I would have just poured (laughs) milk in there. But I was like, no, like, let's, you know, let's do it this way. You also want to do it. You also want to do it. Um, sometimes they can have constipation. And I did actually notice that with Ryland is like the first couple days, he was a little bit more constipated, but now, but now he's fine that he's like, his body's used to Yeah. Poop generally changes once you introduce cow's milk for sure. And some have constipation. Mine didn't, they were, it was just like the poop was different. Like it had just, it was just like different and kind of had a different smell to it just for a little bit until they got used to it. Um, so then also at this point, was he having any bottles throughout the day or is he still taking any bottles now? He's not taking any bottles during the day, but he still does get a bottle at night. And I actually, I wanted to talk to you about this because like, I've never had to wean a baby off of a bottle at night. So I'm like, uh, like, how do I even do yeah. that? <laughs> so, yeah. Cause I know we talked a couple months ago and you were like, how did you get your kids off of the bottle? Yeah. Um, I'm like a big proponent of independency with my kids. So like the sooner yeah. they can hold their cup themselves, the sooner they don't yeah. need a bottle. I was like, yeah, the, sooner the better. Um, so I just started like replacing one of their bottles with a sippy cup of milk. Um, yeah. and yeah. I, I started with, I think, by the time I started this around eight or nine months, they were having four bottles a day. So like 7am, 11am, 3pm, 7pm. And I started with 
lunchtime first, I think. And I just replaced, you know, cause at this point we were already doing solids. Like we were, they were already eating pretty well, um, like more meals. Um, and I just, yeah, no more bottle. Instead, we're going to pour your bottle into your formula into a sippy cup. And there you go. And they definitely didn't drink as much that way. So I made sure during this time that we were, um, doing more yogurt and cheese and things like that just to kind of make up for it. So I did the lunchtime one and then I did the after after nap snack one. And then I did the breakfast one, which was pretty easy also for me because they were already eating breakfast by this point. And I just kind of based it on how they were how they were doing with it. Like it wasn't like one day I take one away and then tomorrow I take the other one away. It was like weeks between when I would drop them. But yeah, the nighttime one was definitely, I wouldn't call it hard, but it was the last one that we did. Um, I think I took the nighttime away like around 11 months, like a couple of weeks before they both turned one. And so the way that I did it is first, I slowly started to decrease the ounces that was in the bottle for that nighttime one. So like if we normally would do eight ounces, I would do seven for a couple of days and then six. And I slowly decreased it that way. And then once we got to like four or five ounces and they seemed fine that like they yeah. didn't care. They're going to still know. sleep. And yeah, correct. Yeah. Um, once that was fine, I started pouring it into a sippy cup. Um, and then I started giving them a sippy cup of formula. This is before we've transitioned to cow's milk. Um, so I did a sippy cup of formula and once again, like at this point, they're not drinking as much out of a sippy cup as they would a bottle. So they, um, had that for, I don't know, a week or two. And like, then they just didn't like really care about it anymore, honestly. And one day we just like, didn't, I just didn't give it to them. Um, and sometimes Wyatt, I mean, he's almost two and a half. He'll still ask for some milk before bed, but like we put it in a sippy cup. So does Walter. Him if like, he, wants he still it. wants like a little cup of milk yeah. before bed. <laughs> or sometimes Wyatt will have water. I mean, it just kind of depends. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just slowly decreased ounces and then I transitioned to a sippy cup. And then when, once I was in a sippy cup, they like lost interest, honestly, they just didn't care anymore about it. And then we just didn't have to do it anymore. Okay. Well, good, good advice. Yeah. I did all of the same things in terms of the daytime and the morning time bottles, like kind of what we do, we did is like the four bottles a day. And then those three, you know, daytime bottles, we did all sippy cups. And now I kind of just replace that third afternoon bottle with like water and a snack, like when he wakes up and then he still just gets a bottle, you know, before he goes to bed. So it's like two yeah. you know, kind of sippy cups a day, the water and the snack, and then like the bottle at bedtime. So yeah. So maybe I just, maybe I just kind of like put the milk, replace it back with the water and the snack or do, do like you did and decrease the ounces. I mean, he's fine with, I, I actually, I just took him to the pediatrician yesterday for his one year and I was talking to a pediatrician about it. And I was like, well, he still gets a bottle before bed. Like I know some pediatricians, he was like, it's not hurting anything. Like if you want to keep giving it to him, it's fine. If you don't, if you, he was like, it's fine. I I don't care about it. As long as he's, he's growing on his growth. He's, he's perfectly big (laughs) and he's getting, he's like, if he wants it, it's fine. You know, my pediatrician said, okay, recommendation is to be off of formula off of a bottle by 12 months. Um, so we, you know, we had aims to kind of get there, but they didn't really ask, ask about it until he was like 
18 months. It was like his 18 month or I don't know, 21 month checkup that I specifically remember there being a question. Have you weaned off bottles? Like that question was not on his 12 month questionnaire, but it definitely was on the 18 month or, or 21 month, or maybe even 24 month for a while. I can't totally remember where it was like very specific. Are they weaned? Yes or no. And I think if I would have put no, he's not weaned, then they probably would have had a conversation about it. But yeah, that's kind of what I've heard too. It's like, ideally get them off by 12 months, but like, it's not really a huge deal until, until like 18 to 24 months. Yeah. And I think it's also like, you know, they start getting those back teeth. So they don't want, like, if you're going to give them the bottle and then like brush their teeth, like, okay. But that's also a concern too, is like, they're getting this sweeter, like the lactose and then like sitting, you know what I mean? Um, but then again, people, you know, it's the same deal with breastfeeding. Like, so yeah, it's, exactly. It's like, are you going to brush your teeth, brush your kids teeth after you breastfeed them? No, most people don't do that. Like before the night feed. So, I mean, if you're going to brush your kids teeth, you do it before bed, but then you usually like still just breastfeed. So, so how kind of talking, I guess on the same point, when you started to introduce solids to Rylan, why don't you talk yeah. through that and like how old he was and did you do any kind of specific programming or anything with it? Yeah, I, I went through a few things. I follow a few good accounts on Instagram, like Feeding Littles, and um, they're going to be on the podcast actually soon. Their episode's coming out. Feeding Littles, Solid Starts, Baby Led Wean Team, like all of these Instagram accounts I followed on um, Baby Led Weaning. And so I had been really interested in, in doing Baby Led Weaning with them. I didn't do Baby Led Weaning with my first one with Walter, but I was just interested in doing it with my second one. And really the reason why I wanted to do it with my second one was because I have an older one and I wanted that experience of like not sitting there feeding them, <laughs> like making my older kids plate, making my kid my plate, making Rylan's plate and just us all, you know, and Brian can eat too at the table if he's there, <laughs> but I'm like talking about, you know, breakfast or lunch. Um, and us all kind of sitting there together instead of mom, feeding, you know, spoon feeding baby. And then like trying to eat at the same time, like that just didn't like, I wanted to try and avoid that if I could, because I remember not liking that with Walter, like, okay, this is re- you know, when I first started solids with Walter, it's like, Oh, how many different, you know, little purees can I, you know, cause I was like all into making my own baby food and, you know, at first, and then I got pouches afterwards, <laughs> but like, I was all into, you know, like mixing, you know, I had a baby food maker <laughs> and like, I had like the little mini, you know, blender and I would like freeze the stuff and like really into different flavors. And then it turns into like, Oh, I have to like sit here and Spoon yeah, give it to and him. And it's like just it's like annoying. It's time consuming. Yeah. yeah. And then it's time consuming, like, you know, pureeing, like making these like purees and yeah. storing them in my freezer and like, you know, defrosting them and just like it's a whole process. So I was like, I want to try and avoid that if I can and just like feed him stuff that I already have in my house. And like, if I'm making something for dinner, like, can I just give it to him and just cut it up smaller? And then, you know, it turned into, oh, that's what baby led meeting is, you know? So with him, um, when I first started with him, he was, you know, it was, he was about six months old and he, um, you know, we sat him in his little high chair. He, we had a cup, we had the little hook on high chair at first. So I, I started him in that and he didn't, he, he didn't sit great in that one. So I eventually got one of those Ikea and I still have that little Ikea, um, 
high chair and I got a little footrest for him, put him in that. And he did a little bit better with that, but my expectations were much too high in the beginning because I'm thinking like, I'm going to put this food in front of him and he's going to be playing with it and like tasting it and blah, 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 blah. But like the first few days he was just like, like, what am I supposed to what do? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, um, <laughs> so yeah, it was the first few days of like him just kind of being like, mm, I'm not sure really what's going on. And then next few days, maybe next week is like, okay, he's starting to touch and maybe like, kind of like put one thing in his mouth and I'm, you know, and now at this point I'm like, what you're supposed to like, what this is like, now this is stressful too, of like me being like, why isn't this working? Ah, you know? So we, you know, I tried a bunch of different things with him. I did avocado and sweet potato and banana. And finally, I think he did do banana. Um, but I remember one of the very first things that he ate was like a waffle. <laughs> like I made some waffles for him and he like, for whatever reason, like tore the darn waffles up and started, you know, munching on them. And I just did the strips, you know, so he could hold them really easy. And he's still, I, that's still really the main way that I cut his food is still in little strips. Um, now that he's a little bit older, he still doesn't have his back teeth, but he has eight teeth in the front. Um, so he's really good at just, you know, holding whatever it is, whatever it is, and just like biting and, you know, kind of eating food that way. And so now that he's, a little bit older though, too, he's got the better pincer grasp so he can pick up, you know, I'll give him Cheerios and stuff like that and cut stuff up a little bit smaller. Um, but yeah, that's kind of how I, how I started of him just not being interested in it at all. And it took a while I had it. I talked to, um, uh, a couple experts on, it was the lady who does baby led wean team. And she, one of the things that she said and feeding little said this too, is that, those first couple months, especially those first few weeks or those first few days, like don't expect them to eat anything. And that's totally fine and expected, but really it can take like eight months or nine months is that age where they kind of start to like get it. And that's exactly what happened when he was about eight or nine months old, he was starting to eat more himself. I think it's just, you know, they just kind of have to learn how to do it. it. It's a learning process, how to, how to feed yourself. Um, so yeah, yeah and, and now, I think like you have to go into it with like you said not high expectations and yeah. also a lot of flexibility with it too and like don't like you don't have to stick to this rigid craziness no. like like just because you start giving solids doesn't mean that now they're eating three meals a day you know no, I remember no, feeling <laughs> yeah I remember feeling really stressed with that with Wyatt with my oldest one of like okay, I just don't want to do this once a day. He's not really even like liking it. So like, yeah. let's try to do it more. You know, like I just remember feeling like pressured for some reason to like do more and like, I don't know. So with Callan, it wasn't like that at all. I was like, whatever, I'm just going to give him stuff when I want to give him stuff. And I would say mm -hmm. we did kind of a combo, you know, baby led weaning with pureed stuff. You know, we would just like mix it up. Um, but I think that makes sense what you were talking about with like low stress and whatnot too, and like time saving. And I think that's, what's yeah. really great about baby led weaning. I, if you haven't listened to one of the podcasts before, my kids are very, very close in age. They're 12 months and 10 days apart. So when, when I got to the point with my little guy that we were going to start solids, I was like, Oh, okay. 
I can't wait till he can feed himself. Like I knew my yeah. life was going to be drastically different when he could feed himself. And even like him, like he could sort of feed himself, but like he, I knew he was not going to be successful feeding yogurt to himself or like oatmeal yeah. or something. Cause it's messy and I'm a clean freak and like, I can't handle the messes. Um, That's one thing I hated about it. Yeah. Even now, still, <laughs> I hate the mess factor. I know it's important to let them get messy, but like, I know. Oh, it makes me, cringe. I couldn't do it. And it's okay <laughs> if you can't do that. Like I could yeah. not do it. So I, yeah. spoon, I still spoon feed him a lot of like really messy things that I know he can't eat on his that own. That is also, and he's I'll, I'll say that 17 too. I, months old or something, 16 months old. Yeah. Now. I still do that too with like yogurt and stuff. I, th- you're right. Let's be very transparent and say like, I did not do that part of baby led weaning and let them like with the spoon. And yeah. although here's the thing, here's the thing. What happens is Liesl tries to feed mommy tries to feed Ryland with one spoon and I have to give him another spoon because he wants to take the oh, spoon out yeah. of my hand and do it himself. Cause he's a very independent baby. <laughs> so he, so that's what it turned into is like, it's still almost all, you know, a mess. So, you know, I'm trying still to like fight with him. So he has one spoon in his hand that he's trying to do it himself. And like, mom's trying to at least get some yogurt into him. So we don't even do yogurt very much because I know <laughs> you got to get the yogurt pouches. That's what we do now. The yeah, Sig- yeah, Siggy right. has this brand of yogurt pouch you're and it's right. just like applesauce and it's so easy. So we don't yeah. do any like spoon yogurt that's anymore. Smart. Um, smart. yeah, you should, that's what you should try. That's way that's easier and not messy. I, I, I will say too, I still, I definitely do pouches like that. I know that that's not technically baby led weaning. Um, even though they are pretty independent, like, you know, sitting there and eating a pouch, but technically like that's not baby led weaning, but we, we definitely, he, he loves a pouch. The kid is not, has a, he has a texture issue for sure. He very much prefers crunchy stuff over he'll sometimes eat fruit, um, certain fruits, but he's Walter was like anything you put in front of him, he'll try, he'll eat, he'll play with it. He'll do, you know, like there was only a handful of things that I really couldn't give to him. Rylan, you put something in new in front of him or it's something that he, I know that I've tried a billion times and he doesn't like, like he's not, I don't care how hungry he is. He's like, I'm not going to eat that. <laughs> I want like something else that I actually like. That's just how he is. But he definitely has a texture issue. And it's weird. Cause like my husband is like that too. He's very, mm-hmm. I was going to say, it very, sounds like his dad. <laughs> yep, he's very, very picky in terms of like the types of foods that he eats and texture issues. I'm not at all. Like I'll eat anything. That's how me and Walter like we're I'm fine. But yeah, my, my husband's very, very like picky in terms of texture. So it must just be, must just be him taking him off to Brian, like you said, but yeah, he likes crunchy stuff. He's, he very much does pouches. Cause he's not a big, like I've tried to do a various amount of vegetables with him and he's not a big fan of vegetables already at one year old. So I like that a pouch allows me to like get a little bit of like vegetable in him. Um, so yeah, we definitely, we definitely do do pouches. I have no guilt over that either. Like I'll, I'll no. do a pouch all day. <laughs> <Me either. laughs> do a pouch all day. They're so easy to take with you too. That's what I, I know. really like about They're pouches. very convenient. We never yeah. really got into like pureed fruits and vegetable pouches for whatever reason. Like, I don't know why we never really got into that, but we do applesauce and yogurt and they love, they love a pouch. Like at Ryland's birthday party, Wyatt walked into your pantry and found (laughs) a 
infant baby food pouch and brought it over to me and was like, open this up, mom. I want this. And then he ate it. And I was like, okay. So I guess I mean, I remember I was at your house and see Ryland will now eat a pouch independently. Like the whole thing, he can just sit there and eat it, but he still takes, it takes him a good five or six minutes to like finish the whole thing. But I remember I was at your house one time. And I like, it was like, Timmy can eat. Cause I had a applesauce pouch with me. I was like, he, you know, he wants, it. he's like, you know, like yeah, wanting I want this pouch that I had and, it, and you were like, Oh, that's fine. You can give it to him. And so I gave it to him and he was like, I like he sucked it down in five seconds. I was like, I've never seen a baby do that before. It always takes us about five or six minutes to like, eat my kids pouch. are pigs, you know, this, but they're <laughs> pigs. They like food a lot. Just like mom okay, and dad, they'll eat yeah. pretty much anything. And they're big, gigantic pigs. And and they're big boys. You yeah. can tell by seeing that, like they're tall and yeah. <laughs> they've got some meat on them. Yeah. Okay. Well, why don't we transition into another hot topic for baby sleep? Let's okay. talk about Ryland's kind of sleep from, I don't know, six months on maybe. Yeah. So Ryland, um, it's funny cause he, I would describe him as he it's weird. Cause like, he's a good sleeper sometimes like during the day, he's a great napper. Um, he loves napping and napping for a long time during the day, but sometimes at night he has issues. And still to this day, if he's, especially if he's going through a little transition period, if he's going through a leap or a growth spurt or something, he will still wake up at night. Um, and you know, or wake up early in the morning, like this morning, he woke up at five 30, the past few days, he's been doing better waking up at like six or six 30. But, um, this morning he woke up at five 30. So he's always been my one that has never fully grasped like great, awesome, amazing sleep. So, Um, that was very hard on mom, of course. Uh, so when he was, yeah, about six months old, he was still, he was still getting up in the middle and I was still nursing him at this point. So he was still getting up in the middle of the night, usually once, sometimes two times a night. Um, and again, he would go through these leap kind of periods where it would be like, he would get up a few times, like two or three times. And now I'm trying to even remember, cause I don't even remember. I think what he was doing for a while was like, he was, I was doing a dream feed or he would wake up. I would do a dream feed at like 11 o'clock before I went to bed, 10 or 11 o'clock before I went to bed. And then it would get him to two or three in the morning. I would feed him and then he would wake up, you know, at six or so for the day. So that was kind of like what we were doing for a while. And then that wears on you (laughs) just like anything would. And, you know, I'm back to work now, of course, full time. And I'm just, I mean, exhausted, you know, and I'm still nursing him at this point. So I'm, you know, I'm still feeling like it's, you know, fully on me, you know, to kind of get up in the middle of the night. And I did, I did somewhat enjoy that experience. Like I did enjoy going in there and feeding him in the middle of the night and breastfeeding him. Because remember, I loved the experience of like just breastfeeding a baby and them not being distracted and them like liking nursing. So like that was one of the times when breastfeeding was not stressful and I could spend time with my baby because I was working a little bit more. So I felt like, you know, even those 
15, 20, sometimes 30 minutes and I'm up there, I'm spending with my baby. So I had a, I had a, like this pull of me of where I'm like, I'm tired during the day. I do really want to do something about his sleep and maybe try, cause I'm like, he's older now. I feel like he could sleep during the, you know, sleep through the night or sleep, you know, longer than getting up at 11 and 2 AM. Um, but I'm like, I'm not really ready to do anything. I don't really know. But then it just got to the point where I'm like, I'm just, I'm tired. You know, I have to, I have to choose one or the other. So, and I think I will say the dream feed, it was tough because the dream feed we started, I don't even remember why I started that, but I started that maybe I just saw a post on it or something. And I was like, Oh, that sounds like a great idea. I can get him a few more hours right before I go to bed. All right. The sound of that baby crying means it's time for this week's segment of birth it up babies. So this one, she just had her baby on July 28th. So only a couple weeks ago. So she says, had to share my birth story with you. I took your birth class, epidural class, and felt so prepared. So on July 28th, I was getting my nails done and felt a pop with a small amount of leaking. But I actually thought it was just drainage. Oops. So on July 29th, I called my OB in the morning and they had me come on in. Turned out I had a very slow leak and off to the OB ED I went. They hooked up my monitors and I had contractions but didn't really feel them. Soon after, my water broke and I filled the bed. That's when things really picked up. I started having really intense contractions and my husband was able to help me breathe through them and we tried different positions. There were no bed, so I had to labor in the stretcher, a really, which was a really small ED room with a curtain. I finally got a room and my labor and delivery nurse was an angel sent from heaven. You guys are amazing. I knew my options and I opted for some pain medication first because I knew my options. However, I progressed super fast and my nurse said if I wanted an epidural, I needed it now. I barely got one because I was nine and a half centimeters by the time I got it. Wow. We labored down for a little while and then it was time to push. I had to push three and a half hours and finally we decided to use the vacuum and have an episiotomy to get her out. But we are both healthy and well. Thank you so much for all the education you gave me. I don't think I would have handled that difficult labor without your course. You are the best. Also, the ragdoll image was clutch. My husband kept telling me to be like a ragdoll, which helped. Also, the relaxing the jaw. That is amazing. I'm so glad that I could help you. I know um, how beneficial it is to have some of those labor uh, pain control techniques, even if you do plan on getting an epidural. That's why I include them in the epidural series. So I'm glad that they could help. If you want to check out the course that she took, she took Birth It Up, the epidural series, and you can head on over to mommylabornurse.com to learn more. And now let's get right back into this week's episode. So I started the dream feed, but then I think what happened is he started to, to, to depend on the dream feed and he would then wake up at 11 o'clock. Like it wasn't really a dream feed anymore. It was like a feeding, you know? So what ended up happening was I started just doing it myself (laughs) and I started, um, pushing him, you know, for that 11 o'clock when he was waking up the 11 o'clock feeding, pushing it, trying to push it, you know, further and further back and try and cutting out that feeding. And so eventually I got to where he wasn't waking up without, it was so stressful. It was so stressful to do the, you know, okay, okay, you know, letting him cry for a few minutes and then going up and doing the pat, you know, that sort of thing, like the Ferber, you know, method. And, 
Um, so I did that very, very stressful. Um, then eventually I think like the two or two or three o'clock one, I tried myself to do that. And I just, it was too exhausting. I think now it's like that whole time period. I'm just like, I don't even remember. It was, so it was just, you're so sleep deprived. And I'm like, I, you probably remember, cause I talked to you more about it than like, you know, than anybody. Um, but yeah, I got to the point of like where I tried to wean him from that one, but it was like, it was so stressful. And I was dealing with my postpartum anxiety was like sky high too. At this point I hadn't started medicine. So it was like the baby crying sound would just, I mean, I would, you know, not have a panic attack, but like almost have a nervous breakdown where I'm like hearing my baby crying. And I'm like, I know I really want to get sleep, but I, and he was just a hard baby to very, very, um, uh, what's the right word? Strong willed, I guess, or just like, I mean, he would not go back to sleep him. Like it was like really, really hard to sleep train him by myself. So what ended up happening was, um, Liesl did eventually got on medication and I we're going to talk about that a little bit too, but Liesl got on some medication for her postpartum anxiety. And that, that just helped me like calm down in general. Um, but I eventually reached out to a sleep consultant because I was just kind of at a loss. Um, her name's Larissa and she's, I can't remember. I can't remember what her handle is right now, but I'll say it. Um, but her name's Larissa. I found her on Instagram and I just reached out to her and I did a call with her and she, she really helped me more feel confident about what I was already doing and, and helped me make like small little changes, like small changes to his bedtime routine. And in the middle of the night, giving me a little bit more confidence of like, okay, if he, you know, it's okay. If he does cry for a few minutes, like this is kind of what they do. And if you don't, you know, feel comfortable with things like you, you don't have to do it right now. Like it, it just, it was nice to talk to somebody who, was certified and was like, you're not doing anything wrong. These are some things that you can do. Try them. If they work great, if they don't work, like let's reassess what's going on. And it really didn't take much time for him to kind of get the idea that he's supposed to be sleeping at night and not eating at night. Because what would happen is now, you know, I tried to sleep train him myself. And then it got to a point where I'm like, I'm just going to go up there and feed him and give him a bottle. Um, so yeah, it turned into, okay, how do we cut this, this nighttime bottle out? And he got the idea that now, okay, I'm supposed to be eating, drinking my bottles during the day. And I don't get a bottle at night. She explained it to me actually in a really great way of like, okay, if you're, if you woke up, you know, in the, in a bad mood in the middle of the night and someone handed you, cause I was, uh, cause my concern was like, what if he's, crying. Cause he's like actually really hungry and he just really wants something, to, you know? Um, so she was like, okay, if you woke up in the middle of the night and you were in a bad mood, you know, you just woke up, you were grumpy and someone handed you like a cookie, like a nice warm cookie. You love cookies. Um, you would probably just like eat it. Right. Like, even if you weren't like super crazy hungry, you would probably just eat it. Cause it would make you feel better. And then, you know, you could just go back to sleep. Um, she was like, that's kind of how you have to look at the bottle is like, he's getting food during the day and he's getting milk during the day. So he's probably not really hungry. He's just kind of wanting something to help him go back to sleep. And that's 
this cookie, you know, AKA this bottle. So she helped me out a whole lot. It was like one simple little call. And then I texted her, you know, a few times and got some additional help, but yeah, even to this day, like I said, he's, he's good. Um, most of the time, but if he's going through a little growth spurt, if he's having a tooth come in, he still does wake up in the middle of the night and, you know, need mom, but I don't, it's, I'm not like, I'm not like, you know, thinking it's a problem because I know that he's just, it's yeah, a little he can that do he's it. To. He can do it. Right. So. Yeah, yeah. I think that sleep training is like, I don't know this, this thing of you either hate it or you love it. And like, yeah. I don't know. I think a lot of people see it as this like really black or white thing with babies. Um, and it's not, yeah, it's so not, it's not like you shut the door at 7 PM and you leave. Now there are some people that do that and find that method completely successful where they just let them cry, but like, that's not what sleep training is. And I think it's so important that people recognize that it's really flexible and you get to dictate what you do and you get to dictate what you're comfortable with. Um, I, I don't know if I would necessarily say that I like did like sleep training, but like we did like a lot of subtle things, just like from the start, almost like when my, yeah. both of my boys were even little newborns, we encouraged, you know, independent sleep and Same. weren't yep. always just like picking them up if they started crying. And we were always okay with that. Um, but some people aren't okay with that and that's completely fine. And I think that that's what, you know, is nice about, because we talked about Ryland's sleep because like I have good sleepers. So I remember you calling me one night and saying, gosh, like, what should I do? He's seven, eight months old. And like, he's still not sleeping through the night and I'm just exhausted. And I just don't know what to do. And I gave you some ideas of things to try, which I think were probably pretty similar to what the sleep trainer did. Um, things that she said, but I think like something about hearing that from somebody who's certified and has gone through lots of training and like tons and tons of experience help just solidify, like, it's okay. I can let him cry for a little bit. It doesn't mean that I have to walk out of the room and never go back in. I can just do five minutes and then maybe next week I'll be comfortable with 10 minutes and then maybe it's 15 minutes. Um, but yeah, I, I hope that everybody will just take a step back with the whole sleep training and recognize that it doesn't have to be this like hardcore, you know, tough thing for little babies that it can be like a really gentle thing. And that's how I looked at it as like, we just like did a really gentle sleep training and it totally worked. And I would, if I had to guess, you're probably so glad that you did that. Correct. Yeah. So oh, like, 100%. No regrets. No like, regrets a little at bit all. of I mean, crying was totally worth it, right? Yes. Yes. I regret not doing it like sooner, sooner. <laughs> like not yeah. reaching out to her sooner and doing, I mean, it's tough because like, I still felt that pull of, you know, wanting to spend time with him in, in the middle of the night. But once I was getting a full night's sleep with him, yeah. I'm like, Oh, <laughs> I like wish I, I I would have done this a little bit sooner. Um, but that's not to say that that's everyone's plan. Yeah, you know, I'm not saying sure. to you, if you're having issues now with your sleep, I'm not saying do it. You, once you're done, you would have wished you'd done it sooner. Everybody kind of, and that's what this, that's what Larissa told me too, is like, you just weren't ready. You know, you have to be ready. So, well, it's kind of like formula. Like you, yeah. you yeah. did it when you knew that it was starting to affect you yourself, 
your baby, you know, it's just like a person by person situation. And the one thing I would say too, is like, I think, I think you ran into this issue that you were like intimidated by sleep training, you know, and you were like, oh my gosh, it just seems like so daunting to have to do that. Like, it's easier when your baby is seven or eight months old and you've just been going in with a bottle or going and nursing them. Like it's easy, like yes, easier easy to get them back to, to do sleep. that. <laughs> I mean, I know it's exhausting to do that, but like, it's yeah. easier to do that. Um, and, and it's kind of, oh, it's, it's daunting to think about, oh my gosh, I'm not going to just do the boob instead. Mm-hmm. I need to like try and do some other things and like be prepared that the first couple nights or first week, you're probably going to get less sleep, actually mm-hmm. sleep training than you would if you would have just gone in and given a bottle or nursed or whatever, because like, you know, I know what you did was like, you go in and you shush them and pat their back and like try and jiggle them a little to get them to go back to sleep on their own instead of giving the bottle. But then what happens in five or 10 minutes, if they start crying again, you go in and you shush them and you pat their butt and you jiggle them a little, like you're, you're trying to do other things instead of giving the bottle, but all of those things take time, obviously. And I can remember when we were doing it with my boys, like, there would be some nights that I was just like, screw it. I don't even care. I'm so exhausted. I'm just yeah. giving him a bottle. Um, because I was just so tired. Like I was just so tired after the third time going in, I was just like over it and that's okay too. Like I just, I don't think that you're going to unravel all the progress that you made because you gave one bo- a bottle Mm-mm. while Mm-mm. you're sleep training in the mix of it all. Like kids are so adaptable. They're quick learners, just yeah. whatever feels right. in that night, in that moment, like it's what you need to do. Yeah. And that's what Larissa said too. And one thing that she told me too, is like, okay, you can, cause at this point now I'm like, yeah, at this point he still was doing, uh, oh, at this point, this is the also, this is also the issue with him is like, he wouldn't wake up at the same time every night. Like I couldn't count on, like, sometimes it would be like, okay, midnight he would wake up. And then he would wake up at, you know, five 30. So it was like only, you know, one wake up, then you wake up early or like, sometimes it would be at 10 30 and he would wake up at three or like, sometimes it would just be at three. It's like, I could never figure out what his schedule was. So that was an issue that I had too with him. Um, and I talked to Larissa about that and she was like, okay, one thing that you can do is like, you can set kind of a clock of like, okay, if he wakes up before midnight, like let's, she was like, you can just start with one doing one of the feedings a night, like cutting that out and doing sleep training with that one. She was like, if you want to try it, you know, if he wakes up before midnight, you do it with that feeding. If he wakes up after midnight, then, you know, we can try the next night. So you kind of have to look at it like that too. Like you can split the nights in half and not go full force. And with her, I remember what I said to her, I was like, we're just going to do it. Like, I don't care. Let's just do a cold Turkey and just do both. You know, if he wakes up at 11, I'm going to try and sleep train him and get him back to sleep without a bottle bottle at that point. If he wakes up at then again at three, we're going to do the same thing. Like, I'm like, I'm just, I'm so tired (laughs) that I want to just do this and like, try and get him sleeping through the night as quickly as possible, but you can do it, you know, split, you know, kind of split up the feedings like that too. If you have one, one, you know, or more than one feeding a night that they, that they still wake up or more, more than one wake up. Um, it's definitely not all, you know, like you have to, 
you, you really don't have to do anything. Like there's not one black and white way to get a baby to sleep. (laughs) I agree. I totally agree. Okay. So let's talk about your postpartum anxiety. Um, I know that, I know you had some struggles with Walter. Um, if you want to kind of touch on that quickly and then get into Ryland because it, it was different. Like it it was, they manifested so differently and the timing was so, so different too. So yeah, with Walter, I was very anxious with him um, and control freaky with him because I was always worried that he was going to die or something was going to happen to him. So I had anxiety with him. I had those feelings with him throughout his whole first year as he was getting older. Um, You know, there were some days, some days were worse than others. And sometimes periods were worse than others. There were some days where I was like, I don't even want to really go this place because I'm worried that something's going to happen to him. But then there were other times when it's just like, you know, I'm just, I'm just anxious. You know, I'm thinking I'm having intrusive thoughts of him, you know, running out into the street and like getting hit, you know, or like, I remember with him and still with Ryland, I would have these thoughts too, of I'm going up the stairs and like, what if I bump his head on the, on the side of the wall and I have to take him to the emergency room. And then they, you know, he has bleeding in his brain, you know, like just kind of spiral, like spirals, yeah. very, very spiraling thoughts. Um, I would think about him falling, you know, from my arms and hitting, hitting his head. And, um, I remember I had this weird, and I've talked to my therapist about this too, of, I had this weird like thing with, knives. Like if I was cutting something up, like, mm-hmm. Oh my God, what if I'm walking across the, Oh, uh, I, that's me too. That's like oh, my, like, thing. I'm like, Oh God, like what if I'm <laughs> walking next to him and, and I, fall, and I slip and, then, and I, and I stab him or something. Belly. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It's, those are just <laughs> intrusive thoughts. And I'm like thinking that this is like, these are scary, but this is normal. I'm like, I'm like t- telling my therapist, I was like, I'm never going to like I, I don't want to stab, stab my, I'm not yeah. saying like, I'm not going to stab my children. It's not that, but I'm like thinking about like, oh my God, why am I thinking about like, po- like possibly stabbing my child, you know? So yeah, it was a lot of those thoughts with Walter. I still very much had the intrusive thoughts with Ryland, but it was very different with Ryland. Um, with Walter, very anxious all the time. And eventually he, he just kind of, he got older and there was really just less to worry about. He, he got Thankfully with Walter, he was a very early talker and we were very, very much in sync early on. And he could communicate with me very well, like what he wanted from a very early age. So with Ryland, it's actually like, he's, he's getting better with, with saying things and doing more and doing, you know, but sometimes I'm still with him. Like, what the heck do you want? (laughs) Like he's not as, he's definitely not as good as Walter was. So yeah, Walter just got older to where I could communicate with him more. I knew what he wanted because it it was this constant fear of like, what do you want? Like, it's like, oh, like, are you hungry? I don't know. Or like, are you tired? I don't know. And just like all of this really weird, all of these like really weird anxieties. Even now I'm talking, I'm like getting like anxious thinking about that, that time period in my life. Um, so with him, it was like that always kind of on edge. Um, and I never was really, I didn't have, it didn't manifest as anger very much, 
not, I mean, I always very, very much enjoyed my time with him, even though it was, I had anxiety and I was thinking about these things, but I very, very much enjoyed being his mom and doing things with him. Um, so yeah, I, it just kind of, I never went on medication for it. I never talked to a therapist about it. It just kind of eventually, you know, got manageable and he got older and there was less to worry about and, you know, symptoms just kind of like got better. I never really had any physical symptoms. I never had too much trouble sleeping. I kind of had some trouble sleeping because sometimes I would, I mean, I, I had a lot of issues with him. Um, and I still do with Rylan sometimes we're thinking that they're just going to like die in the middle of their, so I'm like, you know, I do like the ch- checking on him all the time. Cause I'm worried that they're just going to die in the middle of the, the night and there's nothing I can do about it. It's a big control thing. Okay. So with Ryland, it was very, very different. And I've even talked to my therapist about this too, of, I definitely know that this was anxiety, but I think it, I think it was a little bit of postpartum depression too. Um, because it was like, there were times with him where I would, I would have trouble sleeping because my, my brain was so like wired all of the time. And it's hard for me to even like, I'll, I'll start talking about this and remember stuff, but this time period in my life with Ryland was so abnormal and out of whack of like how I normally am that it's crazy to me to even think about some of the things that I was doing or some of the things that I was thinking, because it was so, it was so like just weird for me. Um, so it got to the point where he was about four or five months old and I was back at work and I was back doing mommy labor nurse stuff kind of full time. And I remember saying to my therapist, like, I'm doing okay, but I'm just, I'm always on edge. I'm always yelling at my, like anything will set me off, you know, like just anything. And I'm like, I feel like I just can't control my emotions. They're kind of all over the place, but I was like, but I'm not thinking about like hurting myself. I'm not like thinking about hurting my children. I'm not like, you know, like I'm like, I'm doing okay. Like I know mom life is hard. Like I see all these, you know, people out there that I follow and just, you know, you're talking about how like, you know, sometimes your kids are just kids and like mom. And so I'm like, this just feels normal. Um, but it was still really, really hard. So yeah, it got to the point where I just was, was always on edge and I was just yelling all the time at Walter. It was something, you know, every morning was hard to get him out the door for preschool or just mornings were hard. Um, even if we didn't have anywhere to go, I just was, was always, I just always felt tense, you know, tense. And I felt like I wasn't enjoying my time with my children. Like I could be, um, I, it got to the point where I, it was, it almost manifested as like OCD type symptoms too, where I would get so overwhelmed with life and tasks to do. And I saw all of my, um, my life as like little individual tasks. Okay. And I talked about this in a previous podcast episode, but I would be, you know, in my room and we lived at the old house at this point, uh, you know, at this time, but I would be in my room and I would scan the room and, you know, I would hear 
Rylan crying in the background. So I'm like, I know I have to go tend to him. Walter is trying to talk to me. I have to, I have to, you know, um, tend to him. I feel that I have to go to the bathroom. Like I have to pee. I have to do that. Okay. I see something on my desk that it's like a bill that I have to pay. I'm like, Oh, I forgot I have to do that. And then I will look and there's something on the floor like that needs to be picked up. It's a shirt that I left. Oh, I have to do that task. And then I'll look, you know, over to, you know, the, I don't know, the unmade bed and I'll see that that task has to be done. And then it's like, it turned into literally like hundreds of things that I would look at and I'm like, oh my God, there's so much stuff that I have to, and it would just be overwhelming to the point of like, I feel like I can't even stop and go to the bathroom and like go use the restroom because that's a task that I have to do. And I, I have to pay my bill. I have to make the bed. I have to, you know, Walter's asking me something. Rylan needs something over here. I'm hungry. You know, oh, I can't eat. So it's like, it got to where I had days like that. And then, you know, some Brian would come home and ask me something that was normal. Like, Hey, what are we doing for dinner? I'll be like, what what do you mean? What are we doing? You know, and I would like go off because I was just always on edge. Um, so yeah, I had, uh, days like that for a while and it got really, really bad. And it got to the point where we were in a counseling session, me and Brian together, because we've been going to marriage counseling for a while. I've been open about this, but we were in a marriage counseling session and Brian brought this stuff up and the marriage counselor said, please like, that is not normal. <laughs> like that is not normal behavior. Like, I think this is kind of turning into something that you can't manage anymore. I know you've kind of been resistant to going on medication, um, for a while now. Cause I have, you know, I've always been like, I, you know, I'm seeing a therapist. Like I see my own individual therapist. I'm in therapy. I'm fine. I don't need any medication. So she was like, maybe you just, maybe you just need, have you ever thought about, you know, it, it maybe you don't need to go on it for your whole life, but may, sometimes we are in these periods of life and we need something that, you know, is a medicine that you take. And it's not something like, cause, cause I, you know, I have certain things that I know help my anxiety. Like when I'm exercising, I'm much better. My symptoms are much, much better when I'm, you know, eating a lot healthier. My symptoms are much better when I'm able to go outside. I even have like seasonal when it's a low weather's outside, I can go outside and get some sunlight. Like it's a lot better, but it got to the point where it's like, I can't even, I feel so overwhelmed that I can't do the things that I know help me. So she was like, that's kind of when you need some medication because then it allows you to do all of the other things that you already have in your toolbox that, you know, help you. So I was like, okay. You know, like still not even at this point being like, yes, I have a problem, but just being like, yeah, I guess I'll, I'll give this a try. So, um, I know I texted you at that point. I texted like the group at that point of like all of us, um, at mommy laborers. And so I went on medication and it, it took, um, a few, it, it got worse before it got better. I mean, I definitely had a few days after that where, it was hell. I mean, it was like, I still had those days where I felt overwhelmed to the point where it's like, I can't, I feel like I I'm so, I can't even, you know, I'm sitting 
they're trying to text you about something. And I'm like, I feel like I can't even text you right now. I don't know why, but I feel like I'm completely out of control there. It was like, I remember after I started medication, there was a time when I was in the shower and I'm like trying to talk to myself and tell myself, okay, pick up the shampoo, put the shampoo in your hand, shampoo your hair. Okay. Rinse it out. You know, it's like, it's so it, 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 and now I'm thinking about myself doing that stuff. I'm like, that sounds so crazy. Like that sounds not crazy in terms of like, if somebody's, I mean, it's, that's normal behavior for someone who has issue, who has an issue with anxiety or depression. Um, so it's not you being crazy if you are relating to this, to what I'm saying, but now feeling the way I feel on medication now, almost six months of being on medication, like, oh my gosh, that sounds miserable. Like, how was I even, how was I even like functioning or like making content for Bobby labor nurse or like, what? So yeah, medication was my saving grace. I just saw my doctor yesterday. I see the same uh, doctor actually that Rylan sees. He's like a family doctor. So I saw him and I talked about our medicine regimen and he, and I was like, is this sort of thing that, you know, you want me to wean off at any point or like, what is kind of the future look like? And he was like, well, do you feel like your symptoms are hormonally based? And I was like, well, I, I mean, I do feel like during pregnancy and postpartum, yes, that's kind of when they've been peaking, but I'm like, I've had issues with anxiety and depression my whole life. So I don't know if this is a hormonal thing or if it's just a chemical imbalance that I just have. And he was like, well, you know, let's give it another six months at least to kind of see. And if you feel like you want to try and wean off of it and see if you can manage your symptoms, you know, with stuff, with your things that you know that help, then fine. But He's like, it's really up to you. It's, it's fine. You, you can take it for as long as you want to take it. Um, or we can try and wean off. It's, it's totally fine. So yeah, at this point, I really don't have any plans of weaning off. I feel great. I feel like I, I mean, you know, stuff still pisses me off sometimes. I mean, kids are kids, right? Like sometimes Walter does something and I'm like, you know, (laughs) but it's definitely not that feeling where I'm constantly overwhelmed and I'm constantly like, oh my gosh, feeling that way. I mean, it is, that was, that was so crazy to me to, to feel that way. And to think that that was just mom life, you know, like that was just, no, like, yeah, I think some people like they, they can't tell when it's more than normal. Right. Um, and I think sometimes it takes like an outside perspective to come in and say, this isn't normal or you seem off or whatever else. And I mean, I, this happened in, what was it? February, maybe, um, like early February, I think. Yeah. It was February. It was peaking in February. Cause I remember it was like around Walter's birthday. Cause there was an issue with like his birthday of me forgetting, um, the mm-hmm. time of him going, remember that yep. I talked to you yeah. about that. I've, I I was, I had planned his birthday party and I had told my, it was at my in-laws house and I had told my in-laws different time than I had told a couple other people. So like people would come over early. And so my mother-in-law, I mean, she wasn't mad. She was just like, uh, this Confused, happened. Like, and so happening? I was yeah. just like, 
Oh my, I mean that I, when, when I realized that, that I had made that mistake, I was just like, I took it. So like, yeah. Oh my God. Well, you know, I'm like, I want to start crying right there, but I didn't, you know, I'm like all spiraling later. Like, I can't believe I did that. You know? Um, so yeah, it was, and that was before I started medication. Um, so it was probably peaking around that time, January, February. And then I think I started later, later kind of February. Yeah. I mean, I re- like, I obviously remember that time cause we talked about it a lot. And I, I think I probably, even as like your friend and somebody that I talk to every day, um, like knew that something was wrong, but didn't know the extent of how it was, you know? Um, and yeah, it's just, it's interesting even now to look back on me, like reflecting on how you were. And it's just so different. Like, yeah, it was affecting every single aspect of your life. Like yeah. you as a mom, you as a wife, you as a business owner, you know, you working, I mean, it was just, yeah, it was like every single piece of it was being so affected. And I think that that's really like the big thing. Um, mm-hmm. You know, like, all moms feel anxious, all moms feel guilt, all moms feel overwhelmed. Like these are normal things, but when it's starting to affect your daily life, your relationships, your work, like mm-hmm. it doesn't even have to be drastically affecting it, just affecting it. Like yeah. 20% of the time if at work you used to be this way and now you're this way, like okay, time to talk to somebody. And it doesn't mean medication for you. It meant right. medication because it got so overwhelming and it was affecting it so, so much. But for a lot of people, it's just talk therapy, you know, mm-hmm. or exercising more, eating better or whatever else. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a lot, like it's a lot to handle and asking for help is oftentimes the hardest part that first, you know, for you, you were going to therapy beforehand. So like that, you know, that wasn't difficult because you're already doing that, but yeah, it's a lot. And, and I do think that it oftentimes gets worse before it gets better because by the time that you're ready to take initiative and do something about it, you can admit that there's a problem, right? Like you're not going to get help unless you have now said, there's a problem. I have a problem. I need help. And once you are aware of that, all you want is to get help and to feel better. Because before this time, you are just not that you're clueless, but you haven't yet recognized that there's a problem yet. So you're just going feeling overwhelmed. Like there's no, there's not this like internal factor of awareness to it. But once there is, that's all you want. And medication doesn't work after one day, you know, most anti-anxiety, antidepressants take weeks, like three to four weeks to even get to a point where it's sort of helping. And a lot of people still need dose adjustments at that point. And some people it's a, it's a guessing game of what's going to work best. And it's a little bit of trial and error of trying different medications, different dosages. So like, it's really hard those three to four weeks between I have a problem. I want help now, but I can't, I can't get help now because this medication needs time to kick in. So I remember that time and you being like, Oh my gosh, I don't feel better. And during that time you ended up adjusting your medication. Like I think Mm -hmm. after two weeks or something, you increased your dose, um, because it wasn't, you know, it, it was getting worse, um, and not getting better, but, but yeah, I think that it's important for people to recognize that, that like it's hard and it does oftentimes get worse before it gets better. But, but just know that 
you know, there, I think there are things that you can do immediately. Like, yeah, okay. You might need to wait three or four weeks for your medication to kick in, or you might not be able to get in to see the therapist right away, but like exercise usually helps. And that's something a lot of people can do immediately, even if it is just a walk around the street. And I know that that's like the last thing that a lot of people want to do, but like, it will help. Um, or just talking to a friend, like once again, you might not be able to go see a you know, professional about it, but talking to a friend who's been through, you know, something can help a lot too. So it's about finding those little things that you can do to get you through that hump and like over the bridge to, you know, feeling better. Um, and just like not being ashamed by it. I can't tell you how many friends Liesl and I have that are on medication, like, yeah, Yeah. an unbelievable amount of them. 75% of our friends these days, like, yeah are on some kind of medication and like, not that it's normal. I mean, obviously if you can get through and feel better without medication, like I never went on medication. I'm still not on it this day, but I went to therapy instead. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's about finding what works for you and recognizing that you're not alone. And there are so many other people, it's still just this taboo thing. And like, it is needs to be talked about more. And I think that, I think a lot of things are changing when it comes to mental health regarding, you know, pre and postnatal periods, but like still so much needs to change with it all. Yeah, totally. I know it's, it's tricky too, because, um, it's not like, like I remember at my six week visit, you know, you do like your normal depression, you know, scale. And I was even in Pebbles complete care program and seeing, um, someone, you know, every week and, and I was fine up until I was done with that program, but it's like the lack of not seeing a provider and not having those check-ins now too, for a lot of people of like, okay, I have this six week appointment and yeah, maybe I am having symptoms and it gets caught then. But I think for a vast majority of people, at least I know Tanya told me this, that she has a lot of patients that it's like, it hits at that, at that three or four month mark when in the United States here, you go back to work and things are starting to go back to normal. And you know, your baby's a little bit, that four month sleep regression, like hits, like all of these kind of things and your symptoms start at that point. Um, and you don't have a, you don't have any sort of four month visit with, yeah. any, you know, a provider or something. So like, how does it get good? Does it get caught? It, it doesn't. And then people go on and have these symptoms for months and months and months. I mean, I know a lot of people who I follow on Instagram or I know in real life that it's like they have symptoms for months and then they get, they eventually get help when their babies are like 11 or 12 months old, but it's like, geez, yeah, like so much time. I know it's so sad, right? Like I, my symptoms hit with Wyatt when he was seven or eight weeks old, I think. And I just remember then hearing stories from other people afterwards of like 10 months, 12 months after their babies were born. And I felt this way and this way. And I was like, Oh my gosh, this is so horrible. Like I thought I was going to die until I got in to see the therapist, you know, for those first couple of days, like I, I couldn't, I could barely move. I'm like, I can't imagine moms out there that are going through this for longer. And, 
And yeah, it's one of those things. I think there is some self-awareness that needs to come to it. But I also think it's about educating your support people around you and your partner about signs and symptoms too, because I didn't realize that what was happening until Liesl said something to me about like, you might have postpartum depression. And even me, I was like, no way. Like, that's not me. I mean, so stupid now that I think about it. But like, my husband wasn't really attuned to what that was. Um, And that's actually one of the things that we put into our birth courses is like, yeah, make sure your partner reads this, like, make sure your support person reads these things, because they're oftentimes the ones that are picking up on it. And like, it's just, it's really, really, really hard for a mom to be self-aware of what's going on and know what's normal and what's not normal and like, make that decision herself a lot of times. It's so hard. I know even someone like me, who you think I preach this kind of stuff, but I still had symptoms and I still wasn't self-aware. I still needed my husband to say it to my face and my marriage counselor to say it to my face and say, Hey, I think something's going on, Liesl. Like, and then I'm texting you guys and you're like, Oh yeah, that does. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So it's yes. I mean, it is, it is very, very, very hard to be a self-aware when you're so engulfed in it, you know? Yeah, I know. Well, let's wrap up this episode with a little talk about introducing, you know, second baby into the family. How was that adjustment? How has the last year been? I know we kind of talked about this at your six week follow-up that we did last year, but how has the last six months really been as far as having a four and a half year old now and a one year old? Yeah. Honestly, this is my perfect. Now that I'm on medication, my medication, and we're moved into our house now, um, this is my perfect. And we have childcare figured out. That was a big struggle too. And I didn't even like go into that on this podcast episode, but like figuring out what our childcare looks like. And um, now that I have, I feel like I've kind of found my village that we talk about that it takes to like raise children. Um, I feel like two is my perfect level of busy and, um, I'm able to keep up with their schedules and I'm, I feel like I'm able to devote time with both of my children. And I really, really enjoy having two children because I love seeing the interaction between my little one and my older one, even more now as he's getting older and Rylan's interacting more with like toys that Walter's playing with and Walter can, you know, they just, as they get older, they just play better together. Um, so yeah, it's been, it's been a journey though, figuring out childcare and figuring out schedules and figuring out, you know, how to, how to still have time for myself too, and my marriage. And, you know, I mean, it's not, it's not easy. Like I wouldn't say I'm trying to, I'm trying to think like, I've always said zero to one is the hardest transition for me. At least it was. Um, but I mean, one to two is not, not a walk in the park, (laughs) you know, there's still a lot of issues that arose. And I, I mean, it's just a different, it's a different level of busy. And I feel like we're really starting to get into our 
like the pathway that our life is going to be now as my children get older and, you know, they, I thankfully Walter and Ryland, they they start, they fight a little bit about toys now that Ryland's starting to get older and like take things from Walter. Walter's a little bit like, you know, but for the most part, they don't fight and they love each other. And that's not stressful because I'm not dealing with children that fight, um, which I know that that could change like in a second, like they could start (laughs) to be like fighting with each other at, at, you know, once they get older, um, but they love each other and that's so sweet. And yeah, I'm really, I'm really genuinely enjoying being their mom and having my sister come over twice a week to help my, um, little one goes to my mom's house twice a week and I work from home pretty much during the week, unless I'm at the hospital, you know, I usually go there on the weekends. I feel like we've kind of found, you know, our routine for now, but I know how parenting is and I know how life is and life changes, um, and schedules change, but yeah, I've, I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm happy and I feel like I'm, I'm happy parenting, you know, my kiddos. And I, I feel like I've made it through the hump. I mean, knock on wood, you know, (laughs) like, I feel like I've made it through that stressful part of parenting when they're little. And at least it was for me, you know, but yeah, no, I think that that the first year getting through that first year is the hardest. Cause there's like yeah. so many different little, like we talked about this earlier. I just remember when my little one was like last year, newborn and whatnot, I kept like, I hated that I was wishing his life away, but I just yeah. knew that things were going to get better. So yeah. like, okay, once he sleeps through the night, things will get better. But then once that happened, I was like, it's okay, well else. now I want, I can't wait till he feeds himself on his own, then that will get better. And then it was, you know, it was just like always something. Um, but once he turned one, I don't know, like really once he started walking, I would say, which I know Ryland isn't like walking, walking yet. He's he's getting there, but yeah. But yeah, once Callan started walking, like I couldn't wait for him to start walking. I know a lot of people don't feel that way, but like our house is already baby proofed. Like, yeah, I just, I couldn't wait for him to be able to walk around and like be more independent. So like, yeah, once I got to that first year and him walking, cause he, he started walking a couple of days after he turned one, I was like, like, I felt like I could take a deep breath. And I was like, yeah. man, we made it. Like, I, I really felt like we made it. Um, and then, but like you said, something always changes. So what changed? Mm-hmm. Like we started potty training Wyatt a couple yeah. weeks ago and I'm like, <laughs> dude, this blows. Like this is, I thought we made it already. Um, so yeah, it's funny how you like get, you think that you're like over the finish line, but then something else changes. And obviously that's what parenting is. But I would say like overall big picture, things are so much easier now than they were a year ago. And like, I, I can remember a year ago when I had a three month old and a 15 month old thinking, I can't wait till this time next year. Like, or just imagine, I would, I would imagine myself a year from now, which is now, right. Like, and thinking, that's going to be good times. Like things are going to be so much better. And it's crazy that we're a year now. And like, we've, we've both been through all that. Do you feel that way now still? Like you're looking forward to a year from now when Wyatt is fully potty trained and like, no, not like not, not as much as I did 
through the baby days, but I didn't yeah. like the baby days. Like I didn't like the newborn days. I, I, I'm much more of a nine month baby forward kind of person. That is the- that is which I know a lot of people. Yeah, yeah, a lot of people aren't like that. But I'm like that. And even now that Wyatt's almost two and a half, I enjoy this stage so much more than I even did like nine months to 15 months. Um, yeah. So yeah, I don't know. I think it's maybe because there's not as many like milestones now. Like the milestones seem so big and gigantic when you've got a newborn like, okay, yeah, sleeping through the there's night, so giving many. solids, crawling, you know, walking like it was, it was all these like sitting up all these big things. And now that they're past that like there's it's different like now the milestones are like combining two words together and speaking more and throwing a ball like it's just different stuff that doesn't take my mental and physical energy to have them hitting these milestones which I think is why potty training set me back a little bit because it has (laughs) taken a lot of physical and mental energy for us to do that um and not saying I don't look forward to it like like now I'm dreading having to potty train Callan because I'm like, oh, <laughs> this sucks. Like I don't want to have to do this. Um, but and like I look forward to a year from now just because like it's gonna be easier for us to like go to the park with just me. Like right now it's still a lot, a lot for me to take the boys to the park by myself. Um, or like to a splash pad or to the museum. Yeah. Like those things I don't really do that much because it's exhausting. Um, but I'm like, oh, in a year from now, it's going to be so much easier and we'll be able to do more stuff. So like I, I, in that element, I look forward to that, but it's not the, it's like not the dread anymore. And it's not the wishing my life away. Like, I feel like I'm finally into a point of like enjoying the day to day so much more and like appreciating the day to day and trying to just, you know, not wish all this time away. It's just so much happier and balanced. And mm-hmm. yeah, like I feel the same way. Like we're in our groove. We mm-hmm. got through the, the worst of it. I mean, I know there's still going to be tough times to come, but like it's not day to day when you've got a baby less than a year old. It's like every day you're in the thick of it. Now we're like, maybe once a week we have a day that's a little rougher or we have like an hour a day that's a little rougher than the other one. It's not like constant. It's so much more manageable. It's so much more manageable. And I think too, I'm able to devote a lot more time to like myself too. (laughs) So like that makes a huge difference too. And your kids are a little bit older and you're just able to, I wish, I mean, it's tough because like, I do preach that still of like, make sure you make time for like, I don't care what it is, but like, make sure you make time for yourself. But it's so hard when your kids are little like that, when you're, when you're, when you have a baby to really, really make time for yourself. Um, but yeah, I, I agree. I think we're, I think we're in our groove. I'm ready for Rylan to be walking too. I agree. Like that's the last kind of step that Thing, I'm like yeah. waiting for, for him to like start walking. But he's, I mean, he's like a little spider monkey. Like he's real, real good at, at crawling, but you know what, Tiffany, the thing too, that I'm, that I'm excited to about is I remember with Walter always thinking every stage that he got to thinking, wow, this is, this age is so much more fun than this age was. And like, it never, I never really was like, Oh, I hate three was three. Okay. I'm going to be honest. Three was a little bit hard, (laughs) but I never, there was never really like, Oh, like this is just, it's getting worse before. When is it going to get better? Like even at four and a half now, like, I mean, Walter will say some things that 
just make us laugh so, so hard. And I mean, he even is at the, like the other day, he has these little bug stickers and he stuck one on the wall and like, mommy hates bugs. Let's be clear. Mommy hates bugs. Um, he stuck one on the wall and I was like sitting on the couch. My sister, we were all, it was yesterday we were home. Um, and he stuck one on the wall and he came over and he was like, mom, mom, there's a bug on the wall. There's a bug. Come get it. Blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, I don't want to get it. I don't want to see it. And so like, I walk over and like me and my sister both saw it and we're like, and then he's like, ha ha, ha, ha I put the bug on the wall. It's not a real bug. I was like, did you just like play a little uh, trick on me? I'm not looking forward to that. So it's like, it's just fun. No, but you will. I hate because bugs it too. Will be- I know. It will be fun. Maybe it's not that, but it's like just little moments like that where you're like, man, I can't wait till like Ryland's pulling this kind of stuff and they're both together. Yeah, and like, I know. man, what is, is five going to be like? What is six going to be like? What is seven going to be like? What is this going to be like? You know, he's going to start kindergarten next year. What's that? It's just, it's so much fun to continue to parent these children. And yeah, in a way yeah. it makes me sad that we're, you know, probably done with having another baby. And I think that's probably why people continue to have kids because it's like, yeah, you just want to like, it, it gets to the point where you're like, okay, this is, this is fun. Yeah. Let's, let's just start over again. Let's, let's I know <laughs> I found myself feeling that way. Like Liesl and I have talked a lot about yeah. whether we're going to have another kid or whatnot. Cause we both have two boys and some days we're like, yeah. And then other days we're like, <laughs> Heck no. no, that's not <laughs> happening. And yeah, like, I don't know. I, I'm sure that it'll all straighten itself out, you know, in the end of whether it's supposed to happen or it's not going to happen or whatever else. Yeah. But I, I'm the same way that I just, I'm just relaxing in this moment and soaking it in and enjoying it all. And, you know, cause it might be the last time. And it's hard to yeah. remember that when you're in the thick of it, when you've got a yeah, little baby that's not sleeping is. through the night, but now that there's so much, you know, they're older and whatnot, I'm like, Oh man, just enjoy these moments. They're you're going to blink. I was watching a show last night where like the older son was graduating from college or something oh, or high school. I and that. I almost, <laughs> I like, I literally teared up and I was like, Oh my gosh, is this going to be here before I know it? I mean, we're like 16 years away from that, but it's still, it catches you sometimes in yeah. very unexpected ways. Yeah. Well, sorry to end the podcast guys on us. <laughs> but I feel like this is a good way to end. Bittersweet. It. Um, yes. Bittersweet. Very bittersweet. So maybe we'll name the podcast episode that like Liesl's one year update, bit, bittersweet something. I don't know. <laughs> But all right, Tiffany, well, thanks so much for joining me today. This was fun. This hour and a half or something that we've been talking about, about my life. So thank you. All right, guys, that wraps up this week's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in and letting me be a part of your motherhood journey. It is truly an honor. If you like what you heard, don't forget to hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. And I love hearing what you guys think of the podcast. So if you're liking what you hear or you have a suggestion, I'd be so grateful if you'd go ahead and leave me a review wherever you're listening to help more mamas just like you find the show. What do you think? Are you starting to feel a little more confident about your pregnancy and birth? Well, if you want more, be sure to head on over to mommylabornurse.com slash podcast for today's show notes and a library of episodes so you can keep getting educated before your upcoming birth. 
And while you're over there, be sure to check out the blog and learn about our online birth classes. Find it all and more over at mommylabornurse.com slash podcast. See you next week. Same time, same place.